Greetings, this is Bob Ponderelli, co-host with Mike Sherrick of Into the Gap Radio, which airs Saturday afternoons at 1 o'clock Central on 1590 AM and 95.9 FM Chicago. This is the podcast version of our show where you'll get highlights of our most recent episode. Okay, let's get started. Here's my co-host, Mike Sherrick. It's Saturday, November 16th, 2019, and it's Into the Gap with Mike and Bob, and our special guest today is Danny Maloff. Maloff, is it? Maloff. Maloff. Yeah who's running for the 14th District of Illinois congressional position. In our commitment to unseat Lauren Underwood, Danny's here to join us today and talk about his uh, his campaign and what he's out to do. So welcome, Danny. How are you Thank doing, you. man? I'm doing great. Thanks excellent. for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. How are you doing, man? I'm excellent. It's just another day uh, to hopefully pierce the membrane of <laughs> human consciousness. There you go. <laughs> Bring us all to another level of understanding somehow. <laughs> Bob's rocking a beard, guys, and it is amazing. <laughs> he looks a little bit like a streetwise salesman. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. You guys got to know, Bob, Bob like, Don't spends- Don't pick a- on streetwise salesmen. It's just bad policy. <laughs> oh, Bob spends man. like an hour and a half a day grooming. And it's, to see I, him come in here a little bit disheveled right. is a little bit off-putting, honestly. Well, I've, I've decided to go feral based on- <laughs> Based on a lot of different things that you know about, we're not going to talk about yeah. it on the show. Yeah, we'll, we'll have a whole show on being feral. But, feral what? men. That, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? That's a great idea, actually. It is. It's a great I idea. I like that. Yeah. But today, that's not what we're going to do. Today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the Constitution, because Danny is a strict constitutionalist. Which is awesome. And, Thank you so much. Uh, you guys are probably going to want to get a room before this thing's <laughs> over, you know, because it's going to be... Talking about the... He is, blending. A, he is a young, handsome man. I he mean, is a young, what handsome. the hell? Uh, I've been... Thank you. But I, I've been married <laughs> successfully for like 31 years now, so it's okay. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong if you got a room. It's just <laughs> yeah, it's right. like you could get one, you know? Yeah. What I meant by, I meant... <laughs> it's economical. Yeah, yeah right. It's exactly. economical. Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah, exactly. Fiscal and conservatives. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> they are. Yeah, perfect. Oh, start, oh Lord. So that's what it's about. So yeah. you can see the tra- trajectory of this is going to go. It's going to be bad. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It's going to be excellent, actually. Because really, Danny, one of the things I, I really want to acknowledge you for is your uh, um, your website's got, you know, when I was sharing with Bob, like all the stuff you guys hit mm-hmm. on on that. It's like, yep. we got to get this guy in. Yeah. Know? So we're looking forward. We're going we're gonna to go over that stuff. But we before that, we always begin the show with the documentation of existing yes. conditions, which points to the condition of our culture in the moment. Right. And it so, attempts to tease the culture a little bit. Uh, using <laughs> using absurd uh, reality as it gets more perhaps absurd every day, and then also some some humor when we can steal it. And so. when yeah, but we can't have too much humor because then Democrats will not listen. Then, well, right? it's gonna get it's gonna get good. And then, and the the real irony of this is the fact that we're located in Evanston, Illinois, which is you know incredible. So, all yes. right, brother. Well, you know, let I, it rip. I, I, what I want to do this 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 afternoon here is, is just welcome a new. A new sponsor to the show. Yeah. And sponsor our new sponsor is the Institute for Global Enslavement. <laughs> and it's it, we're really excited because they're a non-for-profit. Mm-hmm. And these are people who are working worldwide. Okay. From San Francisco to Minneapolis and from... <laughs> you can't even keep a straight face with this. And, and, from, and from Brussels to Beijing... Awesome. We're, we're, they're working hard to keep your ignorance and idealism firmly in place while your freedom dwindles as a result every day. Very nice. And they're a sponsor and, of us. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. And so they're out there They're out there busy programming us to believe in the supremacy of the state over our own common sense and innate wisdom. There you and go. I think this is yeoman's work in this time. <laughs> uh, and best of all, they're nonpartisan. 
although their biggest supporters certainly seem to be the Democratic Party. And isn't the Clinton but there, Foundation think, a big supporter of theirs too? Oh, yeah. Or do they send oh, money yeah. to the Clinton and, Foundation? And, there's, and there's, fake cons- there's fake conservatives in the Republican Party also okay. supporting them. And so we're just delighted to have them. And, and we'd like to just ask you out there if you've got some extra cash or may even consider donating your children to a great cause. <laughs> the Institute for Global Enslavement is your first choice. Having you give up your God-given right to speak out freely and defend yourself if you have to, and all those other silly freedoms cooked up by idiot white slave owners. So if you, you know, want to join Mike and I in just singing Kumbaya in a world of just terrific goodness where where if we just give people a chance, they won't rob, steal, cheat, no. and, you know, do no, things, bad things to one another. Right. Well, that's yeah. awesome. So the Institute is busy out taking care of business. We- Welcome Institute of Global Enslavement, and that's what it's the called? The Institute for Global Enslavement. Nice. Yeah. Okay, and welcome. I, on, that note, welcome on that note, I got some good stuff coming up. Yeah. One of my favorite stories for the week is, get a load of this. Yeah. This is out of California. The uh, uni- A wacky story out of California? Yeah. Mm, Insert a, shock face a, here. A right? private yeah. Jesuit university in Los Angeles is hosting an anti-racist group that seeks to educate and support white identifying employees in their battle against racism. The focus of the group is to develop the capacity of those who identify as white to participate in challenging conversations about race or racism without expecting people of color to be educators. What is that? What does that mean? Without expecting people of color to be educators. Where's Isn't it? that a little biased? I don't even know what it means. I mean, well, I mean, what do people, what's, it's just, again, this, if you read this stuff and you actually think about what you're reading, it gets like, like I said, absurd. It makes no sense. So it says, uh, okay, so by the way, when, when they, when you have a, a meeting with these people, mm-hmm. they send five to 10 people to your office for a meeting to re-educate you. And it says they're they're one of their mantras. There's no quick and easy answers to what behaviors to avoid. What is required is a willingness to be open to feedback and to recognize that the complexity of everyone's identities and life experiences shape how we relate to people. The more deeply we listen to what people share with us and what they don't share, the more likely we are to relate to everyone in ways that promote equity and pluralism. What do you mean what they don't share? It's what, called, that's called making stuff up. Well, what's, what's I'm saying? Like, Mike, you know, when I came in this morning for the show, this afternoon for the show, I mm-hmm. noticed you admitted a few things. I did. And th- the things you admitted, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what sense does me for me to even say that, let alone think it? <laughs> that's like the, this like, you know, uh, you're, you, you know, you're, you're, I, I don't know. It's like, I'm supposed to be now responsible for the flatulence that you bring as a result of your four cheese pizza the night before. I mean, right. that's the society that we're well, living in. Well, again, we're in a society that is, that's run not from logic and reasoning anymore, right. but from feelings and shame. Yes, exactly. You know? And there we go. So, and so the biggest thing to be ashamed of is clearly being white. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, this next one is from the Babylon Bee. These guys are possibly funnier than I try to be. Uh, this is a, from Babylon B is like a satire site and they're saying Acme Forks and Knives was trying to block a lawsuit brought against them by the obese community. The lawsuit suggested that the company's utensils were deadly tools that caused people to become overweight. Now this is like, <laughs> come on. It's a, no, no, no. It's, 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 yes. Okay, the Supreme court has blocked the company's attempt to block the lawsuit, paving oh the way for victims of heart disease and other diet related ailments to sue the company that makes the forks and knives. But the point is taken. Right. The point is taken. It's like, where does this end? As Jordan Peterson likes to say yeah. now and then, right? Yeah. How how many how many hairs are you going to split in the service of some 
obsessive compulsive ideology. Well, where this mentality goes, Bob, is is there is never the end of the road is absolutely no responsive, no personal responsibility whatsoever. You're right. It's an abdication of one's sense of it really. Well, we talk about it before when we get a little crazier, which is objective reality. Yeah. Like in other words, what you perceive is is all nonsense, and it's yeah. subject to a greater conversation that you're supposed to plug yourself into. I, I'm not sure I understand. Here's even the how biggest to risk I think. Here's the biggest risk I have for this. And Danny, this is where you know we're going to get into what you're about. Is if you if there is no individual responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. If it's all over there, yeah. What you're talking about then is the abdication of freedom. Ultimately. Ultimately. Yeah, it's ultimately could, the end of freedom. Drilled down to that. Yeah, and, it's and, ultimately the end of freedom, and right. you know, and and that's like you know, Dan. When I was looking at your website, the whole thing you're talking about is the, you know, supporting the Constitution first and foremost. And you know, you mentioned the Second Amendment, and the Second Amendment, of course, is an important, you know, amendment in the Bill of Rights. But the the one that really speaks to me now, and the one I think that's under more threat than that one, is the First Amendment. The you know the ability for free speech, and with this confiscation of the language by, you know, the politically correct and the woke people, right? Um, it, it concerns the hell out of me. I'd love to know what you think about that or, or you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think what Bob mentioned a moment ago is, is relative in terms of objective realities because it seems as though that is what we're witnessing in terms of um, these these new objective realities that people are trying to compel others to be a part of. And I mm-hmm. think that's where the my main issue with it is, is that it's, uh, I mean, they're, they're welcome to have these objective realities. We would and call them opinions. Sub, sub, opinions are subjective realities. Sure, really, sure. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's Voltaire who said um, oh, nice. that he um, may disapprove with some, with, in context with what somebody says, but he'll defend to the death the right to say it. And with these objective realities and opinions, um, I certainly welcome them. It's just as long Mm -hmm. as they're not being forced on us through through coercion of the state. (laughs) By the way, (laughs) Voltaire also was asked on his deathbed. Mm -hmm. They asked him. (laughs) You know more than I do. On his deathbed, they said, do you renounce Satan and all his works? And he looked at the priest and said, this is no time to make enemies. (laughs) (laughs) the most insane i mean imagine the sense of humor you have to do to did he really say they have to, he did on his deathbed <laughs> i mean now that's 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 some power that's i think funny you know? man that's, yeah. that's, that's being grounded crazy. in what you're doing yeah yeah so well and cool jordan jordan peterson talks about it quite a bit and, and yeah. what i recently saw a video where he had commented about rather than calling it free speech to some extent he calls it truth speech because again to yeah. everybody's objective reality right they have their own truths and, yeah. and we can't criticize, well, we can criticize, but we can't, um, hold people from holding these objective truths right. yeah. without, you know, without having that freedom. So we're going to have yeah. to take a break when we get back. Sure. We're going to get into Danny, what you're up to, why you're here, what you want to do. Cool. That okay. was so fast. All right. Bob Pontarelli here. And I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. We'll have more into the gap episode highlights after a short break. Into the Gap is on a quest for bringing self-knowledge right up against the glass of the great display window of life. We're also on a quest for advertisers to support this podcast, our weekly radio show, and our unfiltered podcast. If you'd like to get more information and inquire about rates, please contact me at bob at intothegapmedia.com. This is Bob Pontarelli, and Into the Gap is most pleased to have Chicago Aquaponics sponsoring our show. Chicago Aquaponics provides superior quality hemp seeds, seedlings, and clones to hemp farmers everywhere. 
What you can count on from Chicago Aquaponics is the finest quality product imaginable and a true relationship that helps farmers succeed in producing an equally high quality product. You can find them at chicagoaquaponics.com. Join the hemp revolution at Chicago Aquaponics. Greetings, this is Bob Pontarelli of Into the Gap, and we're really psyched to have the High PSI company sponsoring our show. High PSI was founded in 1976 and provides the industrial cleaning industry's finest pressure washers and cleaners. They also represent brands like Hotsey, Alcoda, and Aladdin, as well as single operator fleet wash systems. You can access their services and a very competent, dedicated staff through their website at highpsi.com, or just give them a call at 800-666-3900. This is Into the Gap, the podcast, where we bring you highlights of our radio show, which airs every Saturday at 1 o'clock Central Time on WCGO AM and FM. Okay, back to the show now. Here's Mike. Danny, tell us why you're here, man. You're running for Congress. That's a big lift for a young man. Yes. Um, I'm diving in headfirst, too. I have a little political experience, and I'm, yeah. I'm jumping into federal office. Um, so I'm running for U.S. House of Representatives in the 14th District of Illinois. Yeah. Um, part of the reason, which is currently held by Lauren Underwood, Lauren Underwood, Lauren Underwood, (laughs) Lauren Underwood, the member of the squad, Lauren Underwood, or the associate member of the squad. Yes. Yeah. Lauren Underwood, the friend of Mika Brzezinski, Lauren Underwood. She's really a friend. Yeah. Oh yeah. She's, uh, she's Linda, uh, Mika Brzezinski's coattails all the time. Lauren Underwood, the one that's supported and, and, uh, endorsed by Cory Booker. That Lauren Underwood. Recently. Yeah. 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 Cool. That's awesome. And Mika Brzezinski, she's a clone. Yeah. Isn't she a clone? Well, she's married to and controls Joe Scarborough. Right. From MSNBC. Who's also a clone. Who's also a clone. They've been yeah. developed uh, yeah. under a 30, 30 mile underground of Dulcie. So I just want to make sure we know who Lauren Underwood is, <laughs> who, who, who told me personally that she was going to represent the people of the 14th district as like, you know, being from the hometown girl and take care of things like that. And the second she got to Washington, signed up with all these guys. And I don't think she even. Sure. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Thank you again. So needless to say, I'm a little bit butthurt by it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I have a real problem with people who blatantly lie to you, you know? Sure. And That's it, part of the reason I'm, mm, I'm doing mm, what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, my mission statement is to set an example by doing what's right. And what I've recognized, at least in my lifetime, mm-hmm. I've experienced the, um, the Bushes and the Clintons and the Obamas and yep. the McCains and, and uh, the Pelosi's. And on a consistent basis, we don't have truth and honesty and, right. and transparency. And transparency, yeah. Um, and that's something that I'm trying to bring to the table. I have a question, which is that you just rattle those guys off. And what my question, quick question to you is, what what had you have a mindset that you are looking at these people critically like that as opposed to the people that you see all the time mm-hmm. who are not questioning any of these, these characters, whether there be Democrats or Republicans? What do you think is going on? So, oh, I guess, you... I mean, the reason I reference those individuals is yes. because there are so many parallels between those um, individuals historically in terms of um, overall federal policy. And a couple mm-hmm. of those examples would be monetary policy um, and then foreign policy specifically. Mm-hmm. So if I, at least from my point of view, as I've dug in to research some of these topics, mm-hmm. there is very, very little difference between those individuals over the last couple of decades in terms of how they've promoted policy um, within monetary policy and foreign policy. It's really interesting you bring up monetary policy. Bob brought on a, a really interesting guest onto our show, Alan Myers. And Alan is, well, how would you, what would you say he is, Bob? He's, a, he's an expert on the Fed. He's an expert a- on- Al- Alan is a forensic accountant who is uh, yeah. 
a constitutional, uh, self-trained constitutional scholar and also somebody that's uh, deeply involved in helping or hoping and pushing for the restructuring of the monetary system relative to the Federal Reserve and so forth. Mm -hmm. And as it relates to Alan... And I go to Danny's website. Danny, yeah. I hope you don't mind if I if I quote this, but All under right. monetary policy, here's what he says. Yeah. Let's audit, then abolish the Federal Reserve. Yeah. One sentence. Right. 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 Which is because the audit's going to reveal what the you know the evidence needed to in, in order to abolish it, and that's what's going to happen. And, and that's basically what <clears throat> Alan said. Right. Yeah. Which is hugely bold, and <laughs> flies in the face of people who throw their hands up and say, oh, we don't need a Second Amendment because the government has all the guns anyway and controls all the food, so why don't we just give up? And no, we don't need to have any real rights because they've already been taken away already or or what? I don't know. So, so yeah. I'm, yeah. Well, well, they'll take care of us. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they've done such a good yeah, job yeah. so far. They've you done a good us... job with the war on poverty and the war on terror. And, and the war on drugs. Right, the war on drugs. They've done so, a great so, job so with the war on drugs. On them this time. Right, so. Right. The, the, my my favorite is the war on drugs. It done such a good job that I believe it was in nineteen in two thousand seventeen, Naperville mm-hmm. had seventeen opioid overdose deaths, right? In two thousand seventeen, I think it was. Yeah, great work on the war on drugs. Government thing. Is it? That's what? Say that statistic again. What? Seventeen. Yeah. Deaths by opioid in Naperville. Proper. I think it was 2017. Might have been 2016. Is that like a relative to the rest of the state, a high number, or well, it's, it's just 17 you're, people. You're saying 17 people in yeah, an right. upwardly mobile, you know, upper right. upper middle class, predominantly, yeah, right. You know, where you, wealthy where, suburb, right? Where you know? that's quote unquote not supposed to happen there because it only happens to poor people right. or disadvantaged people or whatever. Right. So, right. So the, yeah. the war on drugs has crossed all economic and racial barriers. Absolutely. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so <clears throat> what had you say it was you? Why you? Can you uh, rephrase that? <laughs> well, to run for Congress. Why sure. you? Why um, you? It's a good question, I suppose. Um, I mean, and I, I don't mean I, to put you well, on the spot. First off, because yeah. I can count on myself. I think I yeah. can count on, count on myself and trust myself. Um, oftentimes it's asked of me if I support the president or mm-hmm. President Trump. Um, I have mixed opinions, of course. And, I, and one, one thing I'd like to point out is I don't support anyone 100 percent except for myself. Right. Because mm-hmm. I know I'm telling myself the truth. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would like to tell people they can trust me and all this. And that's what every politician says before they sure. get into office. And then a lot changes as well. Um, you know, ask my parents, on the other hand, <laughs> they'll probably have good things to say. I think I both my mom and dad would say that I'm a, I'm a trustworthy character. Um, awesome. And that's that's just, again, it's my declared mission statement to set an example, uh, yeah. to be a role model as well. And that's how I try to live my life at this point in my life. The thing, the thing that I love so much about what's you know, just on your website is um, the honoring the Constitution of the United States. Bob brought up a statistic, uh, was it last week, Bob, or a couple weeks ago? About the number of people who think the Constitution is, yeah, outdated, outdated, and needs to be revised or eliminated or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just a, it's just a, and oh, and because the people who created it were flawed, like for example, Dr. Jonas Salk, mm-hmm. who uh, created the uh, vaccine for polio, right? Yeah, yeah. He he had some flaws. So does that mean that his vaccine is is? Mm-hmm. Worthless because yeah. he's a flawed human being, yeah. or or 
and this is and this is where Babe Ruth drank a lot of beer and ate hot dogs. Did that mean, does right. that mean he wasn't a great baseball player? Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that's a whole rabbit. In hole. the in the in modern politics, I think the Constitution is the answer. That's why yeah. I'm such a um, staunch proponent of the Constitution as the answer to a lot of the issues we face today. Specifically, the twenty three trillion dollar national debt that just crossed over that twenty three mm-hmm. trillion threshold. Mm-hmm. Um, foreign policy as well. I'll bring up that again, and then also mm-hmm. individual liberties here at home. So, mm-hmm. um, from a federal level, when we're talking about policy, I think the Constitution is the answer. Talk to us about foreign policy a little bit. So, uh, man, I don't, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> right now, we're we're in we we are currently experiencing the longest war in history, the war in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. People who are now turning of voting age to so this upcoming election, when my name is on the ballot, mm-hmm. um, some of those people are going to be voting, and and they were born after the war in Afghanistan began. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, we're in a, we're in Iraq, of course, uh, for Iraq War Three. Basically, mm-hmm. we're in Syria and Yemen, and a number of other countries, and. One of the two of the key issues, I guess, that I would highlight one is the uh, well, first off, the economics behind mm-hmm. for our foreign policy and how that's unsustainable. But then also, again, we haven't declared wars in those countries. Uh, it appears as though we've we've used this authorization of military force um, in order to continue the the policing the world. Mm-hmm. And if if we are serious about these places, which uh, it appears as though we are for how long we've been there, then we should declare war over there. Uh, and, and one of the biggest issues for me is if we don't leave now, then when will we? Yeah. yeah. Right. What's the exit strategy? If we're in Afghanistan for 18 years, Iraq for almost 18 years, now jumping into these other areas, what's the exit strategy? So I, I'm, I'm curious then. Uh, there's a number of bad actors across the globe, right? You've got the guy in North Korea. You've got everything in the Middle East, you've got uh, Russia, you've got China, you've got all this stuff, right? Sure. What, what do you see our role should be then as it relates to, because it, it's gotten to be very complex. There was a time when I thought I understood it. I'm not sure I, I know who's on our side and who isn't anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And are there just two sides, you know? Sure. Uh, I guess our role at this point, in, in my opinion, would be to just set an example domestically, okay. um, I, I don't think we have much of a role. We, okay. We've we've had a role for a number of years now, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's panned out with how we've hoped it to. And it creates um, some of that that backlash as well. Mm-hmm. And and again, we're we're bankrupting the country. Yeah, a lot of innocent people are dying. Yeah. We're, we have a loss of life, limb, and liberty from these forever wars. Yeah, that tend to be regime change wars overseas as well. Right. Yeah. Right. As, uh, some people I follow are big fans of our enforcing the Constitution. Uh, do you, if let's say you get elected, you know how what would be your strategy to enforce the Constitution? I mean, I I got to tell you, I'm a complete <laughs> um, in that area. I, I mean, by by taking my marching orders from the Constitution in terms of how I vote. So mm-hmm. while it may not make an impact initially, because not many people are voting with the Constitution. Right. Hopefully, again, I can set an example. Mm-hmm. Going back to my declared mission statement, so there, you know, I'd probably be um, named as the individual who continues to vote no. A lot of there's a few individuals <laughs> in Congress and the Senate yeah. who who are who have nicknames Doctor No or Mister No, and and yeah. that's that's something that I think I would do with pride. 
mm-hmm. because generally a lot of the bills that, that we're passing today are not constitutional. Right. You know, we didn't, uh, we didn't do a big introduction, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is you do and a little bit about you. Sure. The guy. I, um, I grew up in Crystal, I mean, going back, I grew up in Crystal Lake, currently a resident of Woodstock. Mm-hmm. So I graduated from Crystal Lake Central and after high school, went to Illinois State University where I got my degree in accounting. Go Redbirds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the sis, stepsister school to uh, U of I, my two siblings go to U of I. Mm-hmm. Um, upon graduating, I went to work for, in the private sector for mm-hmm. the world's largest staffing firm. I was in business development to start. Then moved into recruitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then eventually moved into a, uh, a former client of mine to become a corporate HR representative, mm-hmm. and have have slowly moved up within the organization to be the HR manager. It's a global manufacturing company. Cool. Nice. Uh, so I oversee operations in U.S. a little bit with Mexico and yeah. then Canada as well. Yeah. And then in addition to that, I'm a volunteer youth wrestling coach for the Crystal Lake Wizards. Nice. It's the program that I grew up wrestling for. Wizards? So, so there's yeah. a satanic attachment <laughs> to it, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's the uh, history of the, the club that's yeah. the Wizards. So. I'm sorry. I'm just goofing yeah. with you. Yeah. So you know, real quick, I just want to mention we're, we're, with the commitment we have on the show is we're not going to ask you any fluffy questions like what your favorite dog is or what your favorite food is or something Tacos like or this. Tacos over pizza or, or anything like that. Or, right, yeah. And, and you know, really, it comes, what comes to mind, Mike, is what we talked about before is where, where we seem to have arrived is we're such a completely successful nation economically in many respects, although there's some serious problems. But, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's experiencing, like, the good times. And I really doubt whether interviews were done during the Depression or during World War II where they were asking softball questions of, of people going into politics, you know, whether they were asking them these goofy questions about that are gener- that are that are really be having people respond with their feelings versus actually thinking about mm-hmm. what's yeah. what's going on, you know? Yeah. So it's just something that came up between the uh, last break. So I wanted to mention that and say we're, we're very interested serious to hear. Business. Yeah, we're pol- talking serious, serious business. And, yeah, for sure. So, Danny, I've got a question for you. You're, you're a young man, right? You're early 30s? I'm 31. Yeah. 31? Yeah. So awesome. I, I recently went to a songwriter event at the, the Wire in Berwyn. And, uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it was all, all the singer-songwriters were either millennials or Gen Zs, <laughs> you know? Like a lot of neck beards and hair buns, okay? <laughs> And a lot of really weird instruments like thumb pianos and things like that, right? And these people were talented, but the substance of their songs was somewhat limited. Right. They were singing about like Chinese restaurants or cheddar yeah. broccoli soup right. or their commute yeah. or right. their dog. Like yeah. there was no, um, almost no awareness of the world beyond what their own comfort and convenience was. And I'm, I'm, um, I'm really curious how you see, cause you're pretty, um, aware or you seem to be a pretty aware young man onto issues beyond your own personal comfort and your from, iTunes list. Right? From my experience for a 31 year old guy, first of all, number one, you're actually stepping into the ring, which yeah. in and of itself right there is a complete, you know, rarity <laughs> of sure. sorts anywhere, regardless of how, of how completely fluffy our world has become, right? So, yeah, I'm just throwing So, yeah, yeah. So, how do you awaken the woke generation? <laughs> yeah. And interrupt their wokeness? Sure, that's one of the reasons that I I am deciding to turn words into action, specifically in terms of getting getting involved 
um, and trying to set an example, especially for young people. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a millennial myself, so yeah. uh, millennials and Gen Zs. Um, part of it is just influencing them with reason and logic. We talked about that actually before the show started just briefly, mm-hmm. uh, which seems to be not, which doesn't seem to be an influence in politics. So a lot of times when we have these issues, one of my major complaints with, with Lauren Underwood as a representative is oftentimes she is, um, you know, a couple of key topics that she talks about is guns, healthcare, and education. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes her solutions to the problems, which are government-created problems, mm-hmm. is more government. Yeah. So it's, it's just not rational. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not to say it's Democrats or Republicans, and, and I think everybody's at fault. Uh, when it comes to young people, though, the, the, the new issue these days is uh, young people leaning towards socialism. So yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's hard to blame them as well because young people, they're going through the education system, mm-hmm. which is, which is you know, from middle school, high school, especially in university, is pushing that. Uh, Indoctrinating. And, and they're, yeah, and they're not teaching... They're not teaching the world culture in terms of who you know who has tried socialism and how miserably it's failed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also be- becoming influenced by musicians and celebrities and um, athletes who are pushing those same ideas, pushing people to the left. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so it's, so it's hard to blame those young individuals for how how they are leaning that direction. And I want to influence them the other way to say let's let's focus on economic reality. Um, let's be actually economically, morally, and socially opposed to socialism because it doesn't work socially. It doesn't work economically and, mo- and, and morally, it doesn't work as well. So, so my question you're building on that, who are some of the influences you've had? Because you don't, you know, you clearly are not influenced by LeBron James or Seth <laughs> Meyers or Jimmy Fallon, right? Not so much. Yeah. Or, or, or George Clooney, Bob's favorite. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. Um, Writers and economists would be Ludwig von Mises and Murray Rothbard. Yeah. Um, from a political, from the political sense, it's it's Ron Paul. He's the, he's the individual. Ron who, Paul. Yeah, who um, I first learned about uh, coming into the 2008 election when I was becoming of voting age. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some other. Well, I mean, everybody within my family is an inspiration as well. Yeah. Um, I'm very. You know, my family is everything for me. I have sure. a, a tight tight group of friends as well so um all of those guys it's 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 a tight circle um but those are some of my professional influences and then um lastly i'll mention uh, bob weir of the grateful dead dude no <laughs> kidding yeah yeah oh, do you know how many times I I've mean, seen, do you know how many times i've seen the dead it sounds like a lot <laughs> what was it this year 46 bob i don't know i don't i, don't, I said I'm it on the counting. show yeah I, it's been like the first time i saw him was at northern illinois in 1977 uh-huh and I've, I, saw, I saw him twice this year, you know, Dead Sounds like Bob's heard this a lot. Really dating. I saw, yeah. I've seen Dead and Company a number of times. Aren't they great? John yeah. Mayer does a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, that's awesome. Bob Weir. Dude, that's awesome. He's no, just, I'm, I'm, I think he has the most time on stage for musicians. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's just someone who has a passion and dedication for something beyond, beyond words, to be honest. Oh, I could take the show in a completely different <laughs> One of the best interviews I've ever seen was Bob Weir in, in uh, uh, John Mayer, uh-huh. they were talking about the foundation of what Dead and Company is and his whole vision for, the, you know, 
the Grateful Dead music and Dead and Company. This is he's actually developing a sustainable model for an organization. Mm-hmm. It's and being what I doing what I do, it's really remarkable. Is Bob Weir like a conservative guy or something? I really don't know about this guy. I mean, is well, he... thankfully he's thankfully he doesn't get political yeah. with Dead and Company. But, I mean, but, they're a bunch but, of hippies, but so he, but it just depends. But he sounds like he's rational. I guess I want he's to real rational. He can be for someone who's done two thousand acid trips, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's just he's just a guy who's really inspired by who he is. He's got a really powerful relationship with himself. He's got a really powerful relationship to his mission mm-hmm. and what he does. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. they're 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 put on the plan to entertain. They're fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's very cool, man. That, that surprises. Yeah, I don't get surprised <laughs> often. That's awesome. So uh, my question is, uh, how would you how would you go about getting people interacting at a level that is beyond what we're seeing now? Because uh, it seems to be the case that uh, at schools, universities, public and all were completely inundated culturally by this sweep of uh, I, I would argue that it's institution institutionalized uh, forces pushing socialism, pushing uh, political correctness in a manner beyond just, you know, being kind to people, but, but obsessing about stuff that makes absolutely no sense. Like, you know, this, there's actually a test where your eye, you know, how many times you blink will, will indicate how racist you are. I mean, (laughs) people have actually, oh yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you, Kill the political correctness. Um, I I think part of it, in terms of you asked how to get people involved, um, again, I think for for young people to get involved in politics is really important, especially those who have those ideas of of growing liberty um, and and self-ownership. But I I mentioned earlier that I'm a coach for the youth wrestling program. And while I try not, I do not bring politics into the wrestling room because these kids are ages six to 14. So I'm just trying to set an example in terms of how they should be acting in a wrestling room, yeah, how they should be acting in a wrestling, in a wrestling match. Sure. But those, um, key components when they're young about accountability, self-ownership, and that not, not everybody gets a trophy that you, that you learn in sports mm-hmm. is something that I would push, um, for individuals to become that way when they're adults. It's a lot of, you know, there's the nurture nature and, and a lot of it is, um, those formidable years when they are six to fourteen, and, and having role models um, and participating in those activities and sports that um, really drive reward based on the input. Yeah, cool. Thank you, mm-hmm. Danny. Um, l- let's fast forward a few months, okay? And you've won the primary. And uh, what would your strategy be to unseat Lauren Underwood? Again, you're going against the Democratic machine in Illinois. Uh, you're going against uh, political correctness and, you know, the whole woke world. Like, how, how are you going to do that? And dovetailing, how Democrat is your district? Because I'm... Historically, it's not at all. Not well, um, oh. yeah, historic 2016, it was a Trump district. Uh, previous, prior to Lauren Underwood, it was Randy Holtgren. Was for 10 the, years. Who, for, I think eight years, for yeah. four terms. Yeah. Um, so historically, it's, it's more of a Republican district. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let me to distract that. Barely question. rural. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's fairly right, rural. It's right on the edge of rural and suburban. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. a good, it's a tough question as well. I, hopefully I can get everybody on board um, from the Republican Party to, to throw their support my way if I'm the Republican nominee. So building a coalition with the Republican candidates. Sure, right. sure, yeah. absolutely. Uh, that's that's one key component. 
Um, another key component, which I was actually asked this recently about, you know, if I'm if I'm on stage and I'm debating Lauren Underwood, which I hope I, I have the opportunity to have, yeah. um, it's to also point out these inconsistencies that that we've already talked about yeah. in terms of yeah. how she's a proponent of much larger government and government control when it comes to the gun debate, when it comes to education, and when it comes to healthcare. Yeah. She continuously she she promotes bills she she sponsors bills co-sponsors bills mm-hmm. um in these in these industries that if she's you look part of back, the squad yeah, yeah so <laughs> if you it, look back historically since 1965 the government has contributed trillions to these industries specifically yeah. education and healthcare and what's happened they've gotten more expensive and we got to take a break yeah, sure You're listening to Into the Gap, the podcast, where we bring you highlights of our weekly radio show, which airs Saturdays at 1 o'clock Central Time on WCGO AM and FM, Evanston, Chicago. If you'd like to get in touch with questions, comments, or to inquire about sponsorship opportunities, please email me at bob at intothegapmedia.com. Let's go back to the show now. Here's my partner, Mike Sherrick. Danny, you were were making a point about Lauren Underwood when we had to stop. Would you like to finish, please? Sure. Yeah, I was... uh... I was talking about some of the things that she is talking about and, and what I would have to say about those. But then also one thing that I would like to talk about with her specifically is what she's not talking about. Yeah. Um, and those are some of those key issues that, that I've highlighted already um, that I feel like I'm always harping on, but it's the $23 trillion national debt, the forever wars overseas, and then the in- loss of individual liberties at home, yeah. um, which she, you know, sometimes it's what people aren't talking about that matters the most. That's my biggest concern is the forever encroachment on our individual liberties. And it comes in a lot of different ways. One of them is taxation that you, you pointed to already. You know, the other one is just these crazy laws that tells me what I can and can't do, what I can and cannot have, mm-hmm. you know? And then the other one is access to things like healthcare and stuff like that. That's that's a huge infringement on individual liberty. Sure. You know, so cool, man. Uh, you, you were talking about service or something you're going to do that, uh, here's my experience of most people that go into the political world, Okay. They go in either middle class or less than middle class, and they come out incredibly wealthy. One of them being our former president, Barack Hussein Obama, went in when he was running for office. His net worth was $600,000, okay? Including, you know, he had about a $1.2 million house in Kenwood that there's some, you know, how he got that was somewhat yeah. suspect, but mm-hmm. he had a very expensive house. But his, his net worth was documented at $600,000. Last year, I believe his net worth was documented at $130 million. So it's good business being president, right? The Clintons came out of the White House broke because of all the legal fees. Right. And in five years, had a net worth of over $200 million. Right. You know? I think so, it's money laundering through book deals. That's my theory. <laughs> that, that, that's really interesting. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's partially a joke, but uh, you know, there there seem to be all these favors that people may owe them, and then and then a lot of people become rich uh, later on, or not necessarily from the salary. But well, I mean, since you mentioned the Clintons, I mean, the Clinton Foundation is mm-hmm. absolutely like so replete with corruption <laughs> and pay for play and all the rest of this stuff, uh, pay to play rather. I mean, I, it's just. That's a whole other series of shows in and of itself, but yeah. you're, you're walking into that morass. That's the key. Like, it, this is what you're about to walk into mm-hmm. from what Mike is yeah, saying. And, and yeah, and he, he's made a statement and a commitment for mm-hmm. what he's going to do when he gets in there. Right. I'd li- like you to share that. If you can. Sure. So I, I believe I'm the only country in the United, I mean, <laughs> I'm the only candidate in the United States committed mm-hmm. to donating half their annual salary to mm-hmm. charities of their district if elected. 
Um, it's a public service job, mm-hmm. and I don't think that warrants a hundred seventy-four thousand dollars salary. Uh, I've been t- so you can make ends meet on eighty-seven thousand. I can. Okay, yeah, good. I'm a sing- I'm a I'm a single dude, so <laughs> okay. um, I can certainly make it happen. Okay. Um, it's, again, it, it goes along with my mission statement to set an example by doing what's right. Donald Trump actually donates his entire salary yeah. to charities, uh, mm-hmm. organi- organizations throughout the country. For I him, think, it's a drop in the bucket. I don't think Don's <laughs> going to need a a, a tag. Yeah. Uh, a tag day, you know. Right. I mean, four hundred thousand bucks a year for him is a rounding error. Sure, you know? sure. <laughs> and and the average American makes about fifty eight thousand dollars per yeah. year. So that's where I say that as a public servant, mm-hmm. if you are truly passionate about being a public servant, yeah. uh, serving the Constitution, serving the the individuals of of your district, uh, I think that's something that that um, I I need to do and I should do. That's well, awesome. Would this involve you? not becoming a career politician then as well. In other words, do you feel that the, that the role of a, a public service is one of, you know, like what you hear a lot of today, which is we need term limits. We have people that need to just go in there and if they want to come back to office, they'll take two, four years back in the private Mm -hmm. sector before they go back in versus becoming this careerist in government that then breeds what we're, I guess what we're now seeing, Mm -hmm. which is Mm-hmm. A, you know, yeah, it's the lifetime politician issue is is a major one. Mm-hmm. I do have some reservations with term limits. I, I think term limits are the that every two years we have a, an election for members of the House of Representatives, every six years for Senate, mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. four years for president. I think those are term limits. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, with how pervasive the problem has become, and with money in politics and incumbents in politics, and 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 that that vicious cycle, yeah, um, I think I would get on board with term limits. But the the ironic thing about term limits is that it would require a constitutional amendment. Okay. However, you're amending the constitution with a bunch of people who don't follow the constitution. Right. So it's just it's all very ironic. It's yeah. it's it's a mess. Um, well, it, I, I'm really you know when you get into term limit things, I'm, I'm skeptical of them. I mean, there was guys like uh, William O. Lupinski, right? Okay. So he won, he's the, uh, I think it's the 10th district in Illinois. It goes, it goes like from the West side from Midway through Berwyn okay. into LaGrange out that way. Right. Yep. And, uh, he won. And after he won the election, he resigned and his idiot son was put in. Oh, you know, same thing with representative Dingle from Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, he oh, died boy. in office. And now yeah. all of a sudden his wife was appointed. Right. You know, same thing with Clara McCaskill. Well, Cheney isn't Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney's a congresswoman. She, she won flattened. Right. She, you know, and she actually is, you know, an interesting human. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so there's all this, you know, the thing, the, the thing that it really points to is corruption. I think that's the thing you're against. And I think that's the thing that we're trying to manage is the corruption of the political process by term limits. And I think the thing we got to do is we got to call corruption, corruption, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And how do you address the the small C corruption that's so rampant throughout all, all of politics today? Well, look, let's stay with the state of Illinois a second. Yeah. Look, Illinois Democrats, Mike, um, what's his name? Mike, Mike yeah. Madigan. Mike Madigan. Right. The, the greatest thing right now is, is thanks to the internet. Yeah. It's at least becoming exposed. Yeah. Um, as we're seeing with with impeachment and, you know, they, they have all this evidence and then we have we have the Internet and we have TV and we're learning. You no, know, they might not have all this evidence. Right. Um, so <laughs> yeah. maybe not. Maybe yeah. the evidence we yeah. have isn't really evidence. It was two guys talking on the phone. Um, I, I recently watched a video with Gary Vaynerchuk, who's like a Tony Robbins light type of guy. Oh, yeah. Um, good guy. And, and he was it was a video from 2008 talking about how the Internet is going to help 
the good guys win and the bad guys lose because it's going to expose people to these inconsistencies, yeah, um, right. to this corruption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, investigative journalists. So um, I'm a, I'm, I think uh, people like Edward Snowden and Julian Assange, I think they're absolutely heroes. Okay. Um, so I, I know that's a, a hot topic these days, mm-hmm. uh, but they have exposed that corruption more than anybody else. Um, and those are the types of individuals who we need to rely on. We have this whistleblower who might be a little different than, than most whistleblowers. Well, yeah. And, you know, and what you're pointing to is sunlight is the perfect disinfectant, right? And it's, sure. it really is. It's starting to, you know, bring to light what's going on behind the, you mentioned the word transparency early on in the show today. And, and I think that's at the core of all of it. So, yeah. Speaking of clown show, what do you think about this thing that's going on all week with the uh, impeachment hearings? Have you been watching it? Obviously a little bit. A, a little bit. I, I, um, I work a, an eight to five, so that, that slows right. me down a little bit, but. So you have a day job. I do. Yeah. The human yeah. resources. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you'd have to wait until you get home to cheer yourself up with all this yeah. interesting stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, Danny, we're going to have to wrap up in a little bit. Uh, you know, I want to give you the last, like, 90 seconds or so to let people know how to get a hold of you. Yep. And is there anything else you want to let people know about? Because I, I, I just, just want to say thank you for being on the show. It's been great to have yeah. you. I didn't, we didn't know each other before you got on. Yeah. Which uh, is unusual. Usually the people that we have on, we've, got, we've talked to a little more than you and I talk. Sure. So. So people can visit my website at danny2020.com. Yeah. Um, I think... It's a great website, that by is, the way. It's that's good. really Thanks. good. Yeah, it's great. You got that. It's a I great website, yeah. I want to thank you guys for having me on. Yeah. I, 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 when I read about the show, as I mentioned to you pre-show, is that um, you know, in terms of men being providers and protectors mm-hmm. um, and builders mm-hmm. and setting an example for young men in terms of everything I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. uh, that's what matters the most to me. And then other than that... Um, just a shout out and hello to mom, dad, Brad, Chris, Liz, Christian, Liz, and Uncle Bernie who's listening. So Uncle, not, he it's sent not me the, a text. It's not the Uncle Bernie, is it? <laughs> it, it is the Uncle Bernie. Oh, He's a man. So. Okay, cool. Well, dude, listen, it's been really a joy to have you here. Uh, I wish you all the luck in the world. Um, and and I get it's a big lift. It's you know you got a lot of people that you're you're going against in the Republican Party. Plus, it's going to be a big lift with yep. Lauren and I. I Wish you all the luck in the world. If there's Thank anything you. we can do, let us know. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, we're happy to have you here. And, you know, your message resonates with us strongly, of course. You yeah. know. Grateful so to be you. here. Yeah. Grateful. No, grateful <laughs> reference. Ah, you threw that yeah. in here. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks, everyone. Please allow us to thank you for listening to this show, as we are only too aware that your support makes it possible. 